Today, I want to title my message as My Church is a House of Prayer. That's what I gave the title to our, our team behind so that they can put it on the, on the screen. And guess what happened here? My church is a house of prayer. And sometimes God just takes us in a way that even though we don't plan it, but the Holy Spirit is in control. He knows it all and He takes us to the direction where He encourages us and makes us stand on a solid foundation. And I want to make sure that this is a house of prayer. This is a house of prayer. The second week today, my church, fill in the blanks, is a house of prayer. I want people to understand this outside. I want our families to get this, that this is a house of prayer. When somebody goes through trouble in their life, when somebody goes through some deepest uh, scenarios that they have no idea and clue of how this will change, I want them to know, you know what? I want to go to the house of God because I want to make sure that they understand this. Even in their deepest trouble, when you walk into this place, this place has the answers of God because this is the house of Prayer. Can you repeat with me? House of prayer. Zion Church is a house of prayer. Let's read some scriptures as we dive really quick. Thank you, Jerry, and the whole team that took us into the throne room of Jesus through a worship, powerful time of worship. Sometimes, if you know me, if you have been around me, you know that I like to change things up once in a while. The moment people think that, oh, Pastor Justin is ABC, I want to make sure that they change. I am not just ABC, but I want to change it to DEF, you know? There should be something changed about me, you know? You, you, you would see every three months, six months, I change my hairstyle completely up. I change the way I, I dress up. I change the way, and I love that. In, in, in a worship experience as well, I don't like anything that is routine. I don't like anything that is scheduled, and you know that this is what I go going on. This is, what the, this is the next thing that is coming up here. You know what's going to happen. Praise the Lord. I want to understand this church is moving in the Spirit of God. And sometimes we go off schedule completely. Why? Because His Spirit is leading us. And I'm thankful for the worship team for leading us, understanding the power of Spirit and leading us into a time of praise and worship, intentionally listening to God's voice. I am praying more of such kind of worship experiences will rise up in this space where we hear from God and we will see the miracles of God instantaneously in this place. As we were singing that second song, when he walks into the room, everything changes. Guess what? Invite Jesus into our life and everything about our life changes. When you bring a puppy to your house, there's so many things that you change about your life. When you bring a new baby to your house, oh my God, there's so many things that change in our life. Our sleep schedules, our work environment, everything changes. When Jesus walks into our life, everything about our life changes and changes for good. My church is a house of prayer. Matthew chapter 21 verse 13, we all know the stories from our Christian education days and it says that, it, it, this is how it goes, it is written, he said to them, my house be, will be called a house of prayer, 
but you are making it a den of robbers. When Jesus walked into the temple, when Jesus was going into the house that his father has ordained where the presence of God will dwell forever, when Jesus comes in the close proximity of his house, he sees a lot of businesses taking place. One of the things that Jesus saw was, you know how in the temple courts or outside of it, there are people selling sacrificial animals. People who could not buy it elsewhere would come near the church courts and they would buy pigeons or any, any sort of sacrificial animals or birds that they could offer sacrifice. But when Jesus approached the house of prayer, he sees a lot of businesses being established and people were making money, right? From the house which should be known as a house of prayer. People would come there, offer their sacrifices. Why? Because they want to get rid of the sinful lives and come in in, in, in close atonement with God, being holy and walk righteous with God. And they will buy these offerings, buy these sacrificial animals, give it to the priest and the priest will offer it to God. But when Jesus walks in, he sees businesses being established by all these goons. Business is being established by all of these church people. And nothing wrong about, you know, oftentimes, you know, we sell t-shirts here. We sell a lot of our merch materials. It's, I'm not, nothing wrong about it. But the idea here was the sacrificial animals that were provided, they were just making money off it. So in other words, the businesses were taking over the house of prayer. And when Jesus walks in, he sees that, you know, my house should be a place where people can walk in freely. My house should be a place where there's no racial discrimination here. My house should be a house where people are not treated ill here. That everybody is treated equally in my house. And that's what I need to know, that my house is a house of prayer. Jesus walks into this place and he sees all these establishments that man has made that has triumphed over what God has instituted. Every time man makes his own establishments over the plans and purposes of God, get ready, Jesus will come by and he is not just your cute little looking, you know, Jesus on the picture where he sees smiling. Oh, he comes and he is savage at that moment. It's going to turn the tables upside down. It's going to beat people up. Come on, hallelujah. Can you actually picture Jesus in that imagery? When Jesus comes all angry and he's actually now gone rogue completely. He's savage. He comes and turns the table upside down. He comes and whips people out of the place. Why? Because this place should be known as my house of prayer. Have you ever given something to people to use and they have returned to you destroyed, broken? Praise the Lord. You give your computer to somebody and they don't use it the way you use it. Right? And they give you back totally messed up. You give something valuable to somebody to use. Maybe your car. Have you ever given your car to somebody to use? And they don't return back the way you have given it to them. Praise the Lord. You get so upset and angry. God wanted his house to be known as a house of prayer. But man's ideas have taken over this house of prayer. 
And they've just made their own establishments to make money and name for themselves. Guess what? Jesus comes right by there. And he takes over what is his. Let me take your attention to words. A congregation without a prayer meeting is essentially defective in its organization and so must be limited in its efficiency. Listen to this very carefully. A church leader said this, a congregation without a prayer meeting is essentially defective in its organization and so must be limited in its efficiency. I, I, I know there are people who would say, especially during the time of COVID, I know my message is going to be really hard today. Praise the Lord, I'm okay with it, even if you don't like it. And during the time of COVID, I know a lot of people would say, you know what, pastor, I like to pray by myself. I'm fine by praying by myself. I'm fine by praying by myself. I know a lot of us would say this. You know what? I love my individuality. I love my lonely prayer. I just want to, you know, be a lone wolf outside. I just want to excommunicate myself from everybody else and just be there in a corner. It's, it's very easy for you to pray by yourself. But when you come in a gathering, it's hard. Also, listen, Bible says, Jesus said in the New Testament, where two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Are you with me, church? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Nothing wrong about your individual prayer life. It's really good. But sometimes it is really easy for you to have your own individual prayer life. But the body of Christ it's not just one person sitting in a corner. The body of Christ is a group of people, a group of families collectively together known as the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. A finger can't do anything by itself. Uh, a hand can't do anything by itself. A head can't do anything by itself. But collectively, when it is put into this organization of this organism system that God has put together, it functions the way God has intended this body to live and function. Are you with me? It's easier to have your own small prayer gathering. If you're watching me online, listen to brother and sister. You've been online for a long time. It's about time for you to get to God's house. Can I get an amen? amen. It's about time for us to recognize that what God has asked us as, as God's children, the New Testament church, is the corporate house of worship. I want my house to be known as a house of prayer. A house of prayer. A congregation without a prayer meeting. In the weekly schedule, whenever the announcements are made here, you would see how many prayer meetings we have. Places, I'm not expecting everybody will come on every single day, but there are events and places where we can actually dedicate our time to gather together in at least one of the prayer meetings. It is very important. I reminded our church yesterday, hey, please bring your little children to church and the Christian education program that we have here. We take so much pride and so much time in taking our children to the public schools and we are behind them all the time with their projects, their homeworks and everything that they have to do. Even when the Boy Scouts take them out on a, some jungle, some, some, some wilderness, we are ready to 
fix our schedules to go with them, sleep under the tent and just work with them. How much more it is important for us to understand that the things of God matter. And I want my church to understand we are passionate about the things of God. We are passionate about the things of what God has placed us here as a church. Number two, this is the house of prayer. I want our little children to understand we are a praying church. We are a praying church. I am thankful for our teachers. I'm thankful for our elderly people here who recognize the importance of prayer and teach our little ones. A couple of months ago, it was such a beautiful sight when we had a one day fun day for our kids and they all gathered together. It was such a beautiful sight that one of our leaders asked all our little children to come by and uh, they were actually laying their hands on one of their friends who is sick in the body and they were praying for one another. What a beautiful sight it is. My house shall be known as a house of prayer. When we go through something difficult, we want us to come back to God's house. Talk to Jesus. First Samuel chapter 1 verse 9 to 11. I'm going to take 15 more minutes really quick. First Samuel chapter 1 verse 9 to 11. Beautiful story about a young lady here. We all know the story of Samuel and Hannah. Uh, I'm just going to re uh, read real quick from verse 9 to 11. Once they had finished eating and drinking at Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Uh, now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if, will, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I'll give him to the Lord for all the days of life and no razor will be ever used on his head. Listen to me now. When Hannah was going through something really troublesome in our life, family drama, family issues. And we all have family issues. Not like what Elkanah and Hannah and all of these people are going through here. Praise the Lord. But we all have our own kinds of family issues. Praise the Lord. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Tomorrow it is. We all have our own family issues, family life and family struggles and everything that we go through. But listen to what God's word says. Hannah found her way to the house of the Lord and she went there because nobody else would ever care about her life. She came to the house of the Lord because she knew if only there is one person who can answer to what she is going through, it is in the presence of God. And she walked right in the close proximity of heaven, talking to God. The priest of the house did not understand a single word that Hannah was saying. He thought she was probably drunk in the midday. And he's like, who goes drunk during the midday when the sun is all up? Who does that? He's going crazy. He's like, who is in my house? Who is in the house of the Lord completely drunk and praying? He didn't understand a single word that Hannah was saying. But can I tell you something? Heaven understood her anguish. Heaven understood her pain. Heaven understood her struggle. Heaven understood everything that Hannah was going through. People will not understand you. Your own family members will not understand you. But when heaven decides to come closer to you, no man can ever stop it. 
Anna came close to God and God came close to Hannah. God opened up her womb and blessed her with a son that we know as the greatest prophet in the life of Israel as prophet Samuel, one of the greatest of all time. But why? How did it happen when Hannah decided to go into the house of prayer? And I pray some Hannah will rise up in this group. Some families will rise up here to come to the house of God. Praise the Lord. I know there are families within our church who come during the day and there have been times when you have told me, Pastor, we want to come together as a family and spend some time of our prayer in the house. Thank you. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. If you don't have that space within your own house to do so, come here. Let us know. We will open the doors. We will sit with you. We'll pray with you. And I want people to know that this is the house of prayer. And I came to the house of God. Listen, when people throw stones at you, pick up those stones and build an altar. Did you hear that? Hannah received a lot of stones in her life from her people and family members. Why? Because she was barren. She could not conceive. Everybody else in her circumstances and life, you know, they all could conceive, but she was barren. She could not. Her womb was shut. One day she decided to come to God's house and God blessed her. When people throw stones at you, pick up those stones, build an altar. Whenever we see in the scriptures, people have built an altar before God. God has never stopped himself within the chambers of heaven. He has cracked open the sky, come right in between to answer his people. I am here to declare brothers and sisters, when you prepare an altar, and I pray that this is the house of prayer. Together, when we gather in this space, we pray for one another. We worship the living God and we prepare an altar. And I declare, we are about to see the miracles of heaven. We're about to see the supernatural wonders of God within our congregation. How will it happen? When you make this as a public declaration, this is a house of prayer. Praise the Lord. When you talk to your friends, your newcomers, anybody who is going through some difficult situation in their life, tell them, hey, let me take you to a house of prayer. Let me take you to our church. Come with me at 11 o'clock. Let's join together to worship God. And I'm sure there is a breakthrough. Invite one another. Tell them this house has miracles. Tell people that this place has supernatural flow of the Holy Spirit. And whenever people with any sort of need walk into God's house, their life will be changed. Praise the Lord. Brothers and sisters, this is not just a bunch of information I am passing on, but this is the power of the Holy Spirit. When people walk in with any sort of a need in their life, they will see a true transformation. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I saw somebody's post yesterday. I forgot who it was. No matter what sinful life people are dealing with or going through in their life, they may look and they may smell ugly, but make sure you bring them to church. They may not transform the first day. They may not transform the second day, but I guarantee you, the more they walk into God's house, his presence as something supernatural that will change their life completely. Invite somebody to the house of prayer. God wants to set their lives free completely. Hannah came to God's house. God blessed her. When people throw stones at your life, pick up those stones, build an altar for God, and you will see the miracles of God. 
Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 to 18. Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 to 18. Beautiful scriptures. I want you to highlight and read it later. But I'm going to read the first two, first three scriptures here. It's a story of David's own life. It says, verse 1, Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 through 18. Verse 1 says, After the king was settled in his palace. Who is the king? David is settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him. He said to Nathan the prophet, he said, here I am. Listen to that words very carefully. Here I am living in a place of cedar when the ark of God remains in a tent. Listen to this very carefully. David received the peace from God, from all his enemies. David won the battles and every enemy nation that threw or thought to throw him aside. God gave him peace. God established him. While he was lying down in his own chambers one night, David asked this question. Listen to this very carefully. David asked this question. I am living in a house built with cedars and beautiful palatial house when the ark of God is somewhere in a tent. Listen to this very carefully. David asked this question with a burden. How can I live peacefully in this space when the ark of God is in the tent? Till then, the ark of God moved with people. Till then, wherever people moved, they took the Ark of the Covenant with them through the life of Israelites. They took the Ark of the Covenant and moved with them, pitched a tent and put the Ark in between. We know the stories real and loud and clear through our Bible readings here. But listen to this very carefully. A house is a place, it's a destination where you go to. It's built with something strong on a solid foundation where it cannot be changed every single moment. A tent is something that you keep constantly moving with. You move to a new location, you pitch the tent there, you stay there for some time, but it's not permanent. You know the structure is not permanent. You keep moving with the tent. But listen to what David is saying. I'm living in a palatial home here while the ark of God it's still in the tent. There's no space and a permanent place for where God can dwell in between his people. The attitude of David changed his life forever. And I pray or I wonder here, how many of us seated in this room or listening to me and under my voice, we have this feeling or this fear, this question that rises up in our hearts. I am having everything that God has blessed me with, but is my life perfect to host the presence of Heavenly Father? Is my house in a right order to host the presence of God? David asked this question. Guess what? Behind that scripture, you see when Nathan comes back and talks to David, he prophetically declares all blessings of heaven into David's life. He said, go and tell my servant David. Nathan comes right. This is what the Lord says. Are you the one that will build me a house to dwell? Listen to verse 6. I have not dwelt in a house from the day I was brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. 
I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Listen to this very carefully. I pray this word will challenge some people. Whenever I have moved with the Israelites, did I ever say to any of the rulers whom I've commanded to shepherd my people, Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be the ruler of the people of Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have cut off all your enemies before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men of the earth and I will provide a place for my people Israel and I will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer will be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did in the beginning and they have done ever since the time I have appointed leaders over my people. I will give you rest from your enemies. You see all of these blessings that God is proclaiming over David's life. Oh, I love the one it says, you know, I will establish your house forever. Listen to this brothers and sisters. When you give priority to build God's house, He builds your house. Oh, listen to this very carefully. When you give priority to build God's house, He builds your house. That's exactly what you see in Davidic scriptures here. David thought of, can I have the worship team behind me? David thought of building this house for God. Even while he was living in a palatial home built with cedar wood, David thinks about the Ark of the Covenant is in the tent. The Ark of God is keeping moving around. When he decided to position himself to honor God's house, God built his house. Young married couples or families listening to me today. People in this room and under my voice listening to me today. When we honor God's house, He honors our house. When we build God's house, He builds our house. What am I trying to say? This is the house of prayer. As individuals and families, brothers and sisters collectively gather together, calling this as a home church of ours, I want to make sure that it is the, in the DNA of our church that this will always be a house of prayer. When people go through any sort of need in their life, they will always have a space to come in because this is the house of prayer. When God walks in, everything changes. We are hosting the presence of our living almighty God in this space. Acts chapter 12 verse 5. What a beautiful scripture. Acts, 12, Acts chapter 12 verse 5 say, It's about that time King Herod arrested some of, the, some of them who belonged to the church. Listen to this. Intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death by the sword. When he saw that this met the approval of many Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter as well. Praise the Lord. That's what the enemy always does. He, he saw how the Jewish people enjoyed when James, the brother of John, was put to sword and killed and destroyed, he thought they, the whole community will now praise him. So he gathered Peter, seized him, and brought him to the jail. 
He proceeded to seize Peter. This happened during the festival of the unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in the prison, handing him over to be guarded by the squads of soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out in the public after the Passover so that he could be executed. So Peter, verse 5, listen to this. So Peter was kept in the prison, but the church prayed earnestly. Are you with me, church? James was put to death. Peter was seized to be executed, but the church prayed. That changes the equation in the whole scripture, but the church decided to come together and pray. They gathered together in a corporate time of praise and worship. You know, in the past, I know we have opened our Zoom calls and we have come together on Zoom platform to pray. We have gathered in this space to pray for people. When we have heard about people going through some sickness, some difficult situations in their life, we have opened up this space and platform where we could all join together and pray for one another. Listen, there is something beautiful about when a church unites its body together to pray. If the enemy hates, it's just one thing, a united church coming together to pray. A united church coming together to pray. We have, our schedules are packed with a lot of things to do and accomplish. I'm requesting this body of Christ. My church shall be called a house of prayer. We gather together to pray for one another. When one part of the body is hurting, what do we do? What do we do? We come around them. We show our love and support. Gather them and pray for them. I know there are people in this room, whenever we, we have prayer team, that whenever we see somebody going through some need in their life and we are aware of it, send them text messages, visit them, pray with them. I have taken some people with me to go visit some families, spend some time in, in prayer for them. Why do we do that? This is a house of prayer. This is a house of prayer. Every individual, I am glad and happy that we have our individual good prayer life. If not, build it. But also very important as a corporate body of Christ, coming together to pray, to intercede. Brothers and sisters, what we cannot obtain by our solitary prayer, we may by being social. Because where our individual strength fails, their union and concord are effectual. When our individual strength fails, their union and concord are effectual. I am praying, I am praying. A church arises together to declare, this is the house of prayer. This is the house of prayer. Little children growing up in our houses will understand, this is a house of prayer. Everybody in this space understand, this is a house of prayer. Brothers and sisters, miracles are still happening. Open our eyes and see all around us. We see walking miracles here. God has delivered. God has led us, small or big, but we see the hands of God leading our life. 
Miracles are all around us. I am praying. I am praying. It is very easier for us to read devotionals about prayer, hear a preaching about prayer, or even to pray about it or preach about it. It's very hard for us actually to come together to pray. I know there are people, the moment we start praying, we start yawning too. There might be people, the moment we start our prayer, we will try to, there is some sort of a distraction. We try to walk outside, be wherever it is. The enemy does not want you to have a conversation with God. The enemy wants you to be distracted. The enemy wants you to be dislocated in different places. But when you gather together to worship and honor God, we are an army rising up, lifting up the King's name, honoring Him. I want people to know this, my church, is a house of prayer. Let's rise up. Give God the glory and honor that He deserves in this space. Let's worship Him. Let's worship Him. Let's honor Him. Let's give Him the space in this room, in our hearts, in our mind, in our attitude, just to give Him the space to move in our life. He's the one who touches. He's the one who holds us. Let us give it to the God who holds our world, holds our life together. Hallelujah.